Hey guys, and welcome to another episode of the Live It Well podcast. We are your hosts, Chris and Jenny Gravy. If you're new to the podcast, welcome. We are so glad that you're here with us. Each week, we invite authors, mentors, friends of ours who have an inspiring message, who are living their life well. And so our goal is to learn and grow, and we want to invite you to do the exact same thing with us. So hope you're ready. Let's dive right in. On today's episode, we are so excited to have our new friend, Kelly Fabian, joining us. Um, A couple months ago, we had on our friend Aaron Nequist, who shared with us about the gathering that he started at Willow Creek Community Church in Chicago called The Practice. And we have since just become hooked on that (laughs) podcast. If you want to learn about all kinds of spiritual disciplines that will change your life, go check that out. But one of our very favorite episodes on that podcast was with Kelly Fabian, where she teaches the practice of sacred questions. And I cannot wait for you guys to learn about it today and to start applying it to your own life. It has been so transformational for us in our time with the Lord. Um, And she does a beautiful job explaining it. And I cannot wait for you guys to soak up her wisdom today. Yeah, and today she's going to share a little bit of her story, how she ended up on staff at a church, but that was never really part of her plan, and how she's discovered this practice of sacred questions and really asking these questions before the Lord and to yourself. Yeah. So I hope and pray today that you will not only enjoy Kelly's story, soak up her wisdom, but also that we will, as a podcast community, we will take what she teaches us and we will apply it to our time with the Lord this week. Allow yourself space for those questions that are already there to rise to the surface and offer them to God in His presence. And I promise it will be so transformational for you. So without further ado, let's dive into our conversation with Kelly. All right. Well, Kelly, welcome to the podcast. We are so glad you're here with us. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. Yeah, really excited to talk about your newest book, and the subject of it is called Sacred Questions. Before we jump into that, though, would you just give our listeners a little bit more info about who you are, what you do, all that good stuff? Oh, an easy one. (laughs) Um, Start off easy. Who I am? Well, that's such a tricky question. I have been a lot of different things, and (laughs) I was a lawyer for a long time. For 13 years, I was a trial lawyer in downtown Chicago, and about midway through that, I became a Christian in a pretty dramatic and unexpected conversion. And since then, honestly, I've just been trying as best I can to follow what I'm hearing God prompting me to do. And over time, I made my way out of the law. Essentially, I'm still a lawyer, still licensed and everything, but I don't practice anymore. But some of that work I'm beginning to realize has really formed a lot of even how I approach God, how I approach scripture, it's funny. You wouldn't think that necessarily. And I'm now on staff at Willow Creek Community Church. Um, I've done a lot of things over the years, and uh, one of those is to write daily devotionals for our congregation. And that's kind of, in some ways, where this book stems from. Nice. That is awesome. Cool. Well, we we love it. We can't wait to um, dive into your book and all these things. I think the importance of questions and asking questions to the Lord and how people even do that. But I think before we do that, I want to hear more of this story. So yeah. <laughs> you're an attorney for 13 years. You have this encounter with Christ. Your life has changed. Kind of unpack yeah. that for our listeners. 
Yeah. I mean, you guys, this is really weird. I mean, no one, I don't think, would have predicted how this has all gone. But I was a lawyer, and in my family, kind of the the highest value, and not to overstate it. I mean, we were certainly, um, my parents wanted us to be good people, but really kind of we were always on this trajectory of success. And I, I put that in quotes, kind of in the worldly sense, you know, which I don't think is a bad thing in and of itself, but just, you know, to get a good education, to get a great job, et cetera. And that's kind of how I grew up and good values and things like that, but not a Christian. I went to law school, and that shaped a lot of my thinking, and just a lot of the things that you read and you do is shaped by that. And I had gotten married pretty young. I was 21 when I got married, but I had met my former husband now, his name is Josh, back in like when I was 17. And over time, just lots of things were shifting and changing as they do when you're in your early 20s. Um, And over, like in a period of about 18 months, Um, I just had, I don't know, everything kind of fell apart, I guess is the best way to say it. Um, Within a period of 18 months, my daughter was diagnosed with epilepsy, and my now ex-husband had this surgery and almost died, and then basically shortly after that, we got divorced. And all that to say, that sort of sent me into a pretty dark period of time, and there was no one, I mean, there's no blame and fault, it's just... I don't know even how to say it. Maybe it's selfishness, young age, you know, all of that combined. And it sent me into a period of darkness and at the same time, I would say, of searching. So some point during that time, I bought a Bible and I honestly, I have no recollection. I don't even know where this (laughs) came from. Like, obviously, I stopped somewhere when there used to be Christian bookstores, like on the side of the road (laughs) and bought a Bible. And at some point, I was flipping through it and asked this question in a passage in Romans, like, why don't I have faith? And this was one of my biggest struggles. And I would ask people, like, who are Christian, how did how did that happen? Like, how did you come to do this and to believe this? And so often it was like, oh, I grew up with it. This is how it was made. And so I started to think, oh, this is like something you're either made with or not. Mm. And I wasn't. And I just kept, I think, I, you know, I'm doing this in retrospect, but I think there was just this continual search happening. And at some point, someone mentioned to me uh, this church that had been very transformative in his life, my, one of my law partners. And so I went totally by myself one day. And when I was there, the best way I can say it is the Holy Spirit came over me. Um, I was listening to a message. It's not like something was said. It triggered something, and then I started to cry. But literally, this guy starts opens his mouth, and I just start weeping. And lawyers do not do this. <laughs> you know? We don't right. cry. We're practical, calculated <laughs> yeah. individuals. We're very reasonable people. Right. And I had no idea what had happened. I was like, what is going on? I feel like really full is the best way to say it. And if I could stay here, this was sitting in like the sixth row at Willow Creek one morning in November of 2008, if I could stay here forever, and remember, I had a daughter, eight years old at the time, I would stay here forever. It just like there was nothing, I couldn't explain it. And sort of later, about a month later is when I gave my life to Christ. Wow. That's incredible. So what so okay, you have this moment and you're staring at your daughter and you're like, Hey, we're we're gonna go to church now. <laughs> 
Oh, yeah. <laughs> hey, mom and dad, I found a different kind of success, you know? Yeah. Like, what was yeah. that like? It was really interesting. Um, the good news, just because I've been a writer my whole life, I just, I blogged about it. So I have, like, this is good for lawyers, too. I have contemporaneous evidence, you know? <laughs> But I do, I remember the first time I, I told my daughter and we were going to go to church. It was winter, okay? And so she's wearing this hat and it's pulled down, like practically covering her eyes and her arms are crossed and she won't take off her coat. And she's like so mad, you know, and she's got her arms crossed and she's like sitting there the whole time. And I'm sitting there thinking, oh no, like this is a little hard. What are we going to do? Is she ever going to like this? And What's so interesting about her, I mean, lots of things, but her dad is Jewish and he's not practicing, but you know, it's a very cultural thing, strong thing. So we're sitting there and at one point she, I'm like, honey, are you okay? What's going on? You know? And she looks at me and she goes, mom, I'm Jewish. And, you know, so she was obviously at eight Mm -hmm. having this internal conflict and I, I don't know I'm so grateful for the Holy Spirit because in this moment, you know, and I didn't know what I was doing. This was like a month and a half in. Like, I don't know what what any of this is. But I said to her, I said, I think that's one of the things Jesus loves most about you is that you're Jewish. He was Jewish. And that's a thing that you guys have in common that not that many people have in common anymore. And something about that and whatever else happens kind of opened her up and couple years later she she had she told me in the most matter-of-fact way she wanted to take communion and I said well here's all this stuff like you have to have committed your life you know I'm trying to explain it to her in the worst possible way and I say you have to have like made this commitment to follow Jesus and in the most matter-of-fact way she was like 10 she goes yeah I've done that (laughs) I was like oh oh okay good to know yeah (laughs) did you write about it did you blog about it (laughs) yeah she probably did yeah (laughs) Wow. That's awesome. Well, let's jump into this book, Sacred Questions, because as you grew in your faith, it sounds like you started, you know, maybe that lawyer coming out and you asking questions. And I love that you say that was kind of your language with God that helped you grow was asking these questions and really studying the questions that Jesus asked in the Bible and the questions that were asked of him. So what were some of those as you started digging into the word? What were some of those questions that really spoke to you that Jesus asked or that were asked of him? Oh gosh, there's, there's a lot. I mean, the questions he asks is one thing and the questions other people ask is a whole different thing, both of which are so interesting to me. But I think the questions that he, he asked and continues to ask are just things that are so deeply penetrating to me. For example, you know, what do you want me to do for you? We could probably ask this of ourselves or allow Jesus to ask it of us every day. Because every day we have needs, or at least I do, where I'm like, this is not something I can self-generate. What I need today is not something I can self-generate. I can try, and there's all things I can, all these things I can do to help almost cope or help to fulfill. But ultimately, the deep needs I have, only Jesus can meet, it seems. So that question, what do you want me to do for you, is one that I focus on a lot, or at least try to you know, allow that to come up. Um, questions that other people asked of Jesus are so interesting because they, they are not factual questions. So if you ask people today, I think, what questions do you have about Jesus? You know, 
we think in such factual terms, well, did he really rise from the dead? Did he, you know, there's like all these sort of questions we could ask from a factual standpoint. And if you look at the questions that actually just came out of people's mouths, they came that way because they encountered him. Not because someone else said, you know, here are five facts about Jesus. And they said, well, tell me about this. Did this really happen? But rather, these questions came from some encounter with Jesus. So, for example, you know, he calms the waves and the wind, and someone goes, who is this man? They don't really want to know five facts. Where is he from? Where's, you know, they're blown away because they've encountered him in a way that challenges what they know to be true. Mm -hmm. People don't do this. Men don't do this. What kind of man is this? Mm -hmm. And if you look at all the questions in Scripture that people ask of Jesus, they're all that way. They've encountered something that has challenged something they believe to be true, and all of a sudden, it's maybe it's not true. And so he invites that change in us. And I think that's what I was experiencing early, and I still do as I read Scripture, is just this encounter that then challenges something in me that maybe isn't true. That's yeah. great. Well, okay, so unpack a little bit for us. Like, where did the birth of this book come from? Where, where's the genesis of it? Where are you like, okay, I, I have to do this I, mm -hmm. over and over again. This is something that's calling to me. And, it, and maybe even just give another brief overview of, of what you're hoping people get out of the book. Yeah, it's a great question. <laughs> I, You know, it's funny. It's one of those things that I started writing devotionals for Willow, actually for volunteers in our care center, which is the place where we serve people who have the most need. And as I started to kind of get to know volunteers more and more, some changes happened, I felt like we needed some grounding in scripture. So I just, I literally went to my boss and I was like, do you think I could write a devotional just to help our volunteers, to help all of us? So we're serving out of a place of centeredness as opposed to need, you know? And so she's like, sure. And this is like, just no, I don't think I don't <laughs> yeah. need to write a devotional. Mm. Right. <laughs> I just good for her. Yeah, yeah. yeah right. good. Yeah. It was awesome. And I have no qualifications for this, by the way, that other than having read them. You know what I mean? So I start writing them and this is just the way they came out of me, this question based way. And so I start writing them. And honestly, it's only in retrospect as they grew, as they became more, more people were reading them. I was getting a lot of feedback that I even realized this was a thing because I didn't write them to write a book. I just wanted people to read scripture. And so I look at this book now and I'm like, this is just, I guess, how God sort of orchestrated it over time. I didn't think, what's the best way? You know, I just started writing them. And so this book grew out of that process, basically. I don't think I could write them in any other way. If someone asked me, well, why don't you write something different than questions? I would say, I, I don't I don't know how to do that. <laughs> um, and so now what I want people to get out of it most of all is that they would engage with scripture. To me, this process has been the most transformative of my life. And if these are the questions that allow people to encounter Christ in scripture, awesome. But if they have other questions that God raises up in them, use those. Because I believe God raises these questions in us when we encounter Him, and those are the things that He wants to transform in us. Right. I love that so much. Kelly, talk about what this looks like for you as a daily practice. There's two daily practices. One is writing them, and one is actually as I just read Scripture. So for me as a daily practice— what I try to do, and I don't always succeed at this, but is to 
first and foremost, set aside time. And for me, the morning is the best. If I don't do this, I am not a good person. (laughs) Um, I just am not. And I set aside time and I try to first present myself to God in the most, uh, this is what I say to people sometimes, I have this very sophisticated prayer called the here I am prayer. And this is how it goes. Here I am, God. <laughs> you know? Whoa. Yeah. That's it. Whoa. Yes. That's so good. Yeah. Though. yeah. But it's just that idea that I'm small and here I am as I am. And doing that orients me. And then I I've pick out in advance what I'm going to read so I don't spend all my time deciding what I'm going to read. And next thing you know, mm-hmm. you're out of time. Yes. So I try to That's do good. that. And then I just read a small passage of scripture, although I tend not to just read a one-liner um, because I want something, I, I want to spend more of my time in scripture than in anything else. Um, so that's what I try to do. And then I just listen, which is a skill, I think, or a discipline we develop, which is as I'm reading this, what am I feeling in my body? What questions are coming up in my brain? And sometimes the questions are like super factual. What is a Samaritan? But actually, that leads to a deeper question most often. So if I can hang with it and be present to those questions, that often leads to something more significant. And then I just reflect, and sometimes it's super short. Sometimes it's like, whoa, I've really hit on something. Yeah. And I answer these questions in God's presence. Like, what is causing this anger in me? Okay, let me break this down. Some days it's like, I do not know. I don't want to talk about that, <laughs> you know. And I, it kind of lingers with me then for the rest of the day. And then I just close in prayer, trying to be focused on what it is God showed me in that time. So not so much, now I'm going to pray for everyone I know, which I do in a separate time, but really what can I close out? What can I pray for about what God has brought up in that time? Yeah, that's so good. One of the things that you mentioned in the book that really helped me kind of make the distinction between what this should look like and and just asking questions. You say that it's, it's more about listening for those questions that God brings up in us, as opposed to just coming up with great questions, because we can, we can make that game of it, right? Totally. Uh, We can look at the scriptures and go, okay, what intelligent question can I ask of God? But really what you're saying is it's more about training our ear to listen to, like you said, listen to our body. Like when I'm reading this, why does my stomach tighten up when I read this part? Or why am I so anxious about this topic over here? And God, what, what are you saying right now? Like listening for those questions that he would bring up through his Holy Spirit. And that's the part that transforms that time together and grows us. Totally. I love that. Because otherwise, you could probably identify five things you want God to change about you that right. you need transformation in, right? Yeah. And I, I think that's good, and I've done that, and we've all done that. But I think sometimes if you were to look back, you would say, oh, actually, God was working on this other thing mm-hmm. in order to get to the thing I could identify. And yeah. so I feel like if we're not listening for what He's seeking to transform in us, we're really just on the self-transformation path. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. No, it's it's really good. And one of the things I've found with people, and I'd be curious to hear your thoughts, is as you pastor and meet with people, and people will talk to you about these questions, and the idea of listening comes up. I think the thing I've found is that people have this incorrect filter of the voice of God. And maybe it's a parent or a coworker or a boss or somebody who said something years ago. And helping people come to that place where you're talking about, here I am, Lord. I'm as raw and open as I can be. 
and really getting your heart and your mind to that place where you're not filtering it. That's the voice of God. Do you, do you encounter that? How do you help people when they're in that situation? Yeah, definitely. Um, I think, so the first thing I always think of when I'm asked, how do you know if it's God's voice? How do you know if this is God? Is always, is it leading to love in some way? So, so good. Um, if it's leading to some kind of shame, to anger, to any of those negative emotions, the first filter to me is that. Uh, and that's not to say God can't raise those in us, but I think the first filter lens is, is this leading to love? Then the other thing is, if you have an agenda and it's fulfilling that agenda, of course it could be God. And I think typically it's not, you know? Um, Right. And I think if it's sort of like, I want an answer to this question, I don't, God doesn't seem to work that way. I always hesitate, hesitate to say God doesn't do this or that, but it doesn't seem like he works in that way. Typically is I have this question and he's going to give this answer. And so that's another one where I think mostly to me, at least God surprises me. It's an answer I would not have come up with on my own. It's a self-sacrificing answer, almost like a humiliating answer. And it's one that always leads to love. And so that's always the lens. And then the second thing I would say is this is not a journey we do alone. And so if we are isolated and making sort of calls about what God is saying to us and what he's doing in us, alone, we can very quickly and easily get off track. So always bringing these questions and these meetings with God into community is really smart and wise. Yeah, that's so good. Because sometimes they can they can be a good uh, check for us. Like, oh, okay, that, oh, yeah. that no, doesn't sound we, like God. She's the or, Holy Spirit right. part two in my life. <laughs> right. right. Exactly. Let's, uh, let's yeah. really think. Yeah. I think these questions that are raised in us are moves of God. So it, it's so rare, and maybe I'm different in the sense, but I, as I'm reading scripture, I don't often feel, other than in a factual way, that my questions are answered. My questions are paths of transformation, but they're not, it's not like I'm asking, okay, where did, you know, Mary, Joseph, and Jesus go after he was born? What country? Which is a valid question, but that's not, that's not. Like, I don't, that has an answer. And I feel like the questions that arise in me as I'm reading in scripture, the answers are more like, oh, I should pay attention to that. Or, oh, I wonder if God's working on that. Or it's, they're convicting in some way. Or they're questions not so much to get answers. Right. So when I asked the question when I was exploring, why don't I have faith? Yeah. Obviously, I was not looking for God to say, "All right, here's the five reasons you don't have faith." <laughs> yeah, I was asking. I want. I was saying, "I want faith." I want faith. Yeah. yeah. So good. That's so good. So, other than that question, have there been any that you have held on to along the way that God has brought up in your spirit mm-hmm. as you're practicing this time with Him? Yeah, there's one that comes to mind. This is embarrassing, but. Um, <laughs> We're all friends yeah. here. Yeah. Yeah. This was years ago, and I, I love reading through the um, one year through the Bible. I do that probably every other year. And I was reading something, and it said, I, I don't remember exactly, but something like, God did all this so that He would be glorified, or something like that. And I'm telling you, I was like, what? 
that's so selfish. That's so prideful that God would do all these things. Oh, he would get the glory saying this out loud. I've said it enough that it's not as embarrassing as it used to be, but (laughs) I was like, wow, what is going on there? That like, it's making me mad that God is seeking glory. Okay. This is something to pay attention to. And I wrote it down, like I circled it. And every year when I go through that, or every other year when I go through that, I think of that. And every now and then when I read passages like that, there's still so much in me that wants to be the one that's glorified, you know? And so what is that about? What do I need to listen to from God? Where am I powering up? so to speak, in in other relationships. And I'm not, you can tell from my voice and my demeanor, like I'm not a super charged up person. But you can do it in ways that are like passive aggressive or gentle, you know? (laughs) So that's the kind of question I carry around. Why don't I want God to get the glory? What does that that mean? Mm -hmm. That's That's huge. What are some common questions that people come to you looking for answers for? Like they're like, I really want to hear from God about X, are there some regular ones you hear? Um, a lot of people are, they just want to hear from God. So they, they come and they're stuck and they say, well, you hear from God, but I don't. Which could be true, because sometimes God is silent in, to us, it seems. But I think frequently when I follow up with a few questions, and not, not super cross-examining them, but you know, a little bit. Um, almost yeah. always when I ask the question, are you reading scripture on a regular basis? The answer is almost always no. Because I think people want to hear from God out of the blue. Really hearing from God, in my experience at least, is a pretty disciplined practice. And it comes from being soaked in Scripture. That's how I hear from God. So, it, And there are certainly periods when I, I got married about 18 months ago, and because of change of routine and you know all that stuff, my Scripture reading dipped a huge amount. And I wasn't hearing from God as much as I typically do. And I mean, it's a, to me, it's very correlated. And so as I pick that back up, as I'm more in God's Word— I hear from God more often, and it's clearer because I'm in the habit. That's good. Um, I'm trying to think of other—you asked this earlier, but people often say, how do you know it's God? Mm-hmm. And the truest answer is, I don't, but I know that if it leads to love, then it's at least on the path to God. <laughs> but we never really know, but that's what faith is, you know? Right. Yeah. That's so good. So Those good. are the two biggest ones. No, I love it. So good. Well, thank you so much for sharing this journey. Wait, I have one more question. Oh. Sorry. Okay. Yeah, well, she's <laughs> No, I just, I know people are listening, and if they're like me, they're like, okay, I want to do this. I want to do this tomorrow when mm-hmm. I wake up. I want to start mm-hmm. working on this practice. Other than picking up your book and using that as a devotional, give our listeners some direction. How do they start this when they sit down in their quiet time in the morning and they open up their Bible? What are the steps that they can start to to focus on to learn to listen to God and ask those questions? Yeah, I think anyone can do this, and God is longing to do this with you. And the way is just to decide in advance what you're going to read, And instead of reading it like you would some other book, instead of skipping over lines like you would any, you know, like we all do, to treat these words, so let's say you're going to pick, you know, Matthew 11, 28 through 30, 
where Jesus says, come to me. Just focus on those, you know, 28 to 30, those four verses, and savor them as if, you know, it's your spouse speaking words to you or your child or your best friend, someone who loves you, who wants to have a conversation with you. And as you read, just pay attention to what's going on in your body. Pay attention to what is coming up in you and just the way I do it is just to read it repeatedly. Don't go crazy. You don't, you know, it's not over and over and over. But, and then give yourself space. So often we read it and we want the truth, and then we go about our day. Come to me, Jesus says, come to me, and and you will have rest. Great, I'm going to do that today. <laughs> right, right. You know. <laughs> so it might not be that that's what he wants to say to you today, but through that verse, something will. I believe God wants to work on you with something in that passage. And so something will come up. What does rest mean? What does it mean come to me? How do I do that? How do I do that? Um, What does it mean that your burden is light? How could my burden? I mean, there's all kinds of things that if you, um, my questions aren't going to be yours, but if you can sit still enough and just listen, and over time, this doesn't happen overnight. I do believe it's a discipline. And you start to just go, oh, there is one of those questions. And when you hear it, just pay attention to it. That's the only thing. Pay attention to it. What you do with it, whether you kind of think about it in your own mind, whether you talk to somebody about it, whether you talk to God about it, all of those things can be part of it. But just the biggest thing is to pay attention because when God does that, He wants to work on something in you. And it may just be, you know, come to me. I love you. I want to be in relationship with you. And it may be, there's some work in here that I want to do in you. That's so good. I love it. So powerful. What's the Eugene Peterson quote that you use? About oh, um, that it, scripture is something like, Scripture has not done its work in us until it evokes an answer. Yes. That's so good. Right? We can just stop right there. <laughs> <laughs> so so good. good. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Well, it's so great talking to you. Love hearing your story and just your heart for, for Christ and for people to really have that intimate connection with Christ. It's so good. So one of the things we like to do before we wrap up every single show is kind of have three rapid fire questions that we throw your way and just making sure. Are you ready for this? <laughs> I'm ready. <clears throat> okay. All right. Here we go. They go a little bit like this. What's a book that's changed your life? What's a habit that's changed your life? And what advice would you give to the younger you? Mm. So number okay. one, what's a book that's changed your life? The Cost of Discipleship by Dietrich Bonhoeffer. Mm. Nice. Um, the, the greatest line in this book, and I, I, I'm probably totally misquoting it, is something like, when Jesus calls you, the only answer is yes, because it's Jesus calling you. Mm. Mm, that's good. I think that quote works. <laughs> yeah, that's so good. I love it. All right. Well, what's a habit that's changed your life? Daily scripture reading. There is no substitute for it in my life. It's the most transformational practice, and it's a bit like having braces. You don't see it in the moment, but when you look back, you see like that big gap in your <laughs> between your two front teeth has been completely closed. That is such a great analogy. I've never heard that about scripture reading, but you're completely right. Right on. That's great. And what advice would you give to maybe the 20 year old Kelly? Hmm. Don't do that. <laughs> um, what are you doing? Stop it. Stop it. Why are you doing that? Um, I would say 
it's okay to let people get to know you. Yes, it is unsafe, but it's worth it. Wow, that's so good, Kelly. That I love so that. Great. By the way, I have to say that to the 43-year-old Kelly. Yeah. <laughs> Do you know your Enneagram number, by the way? Yes, I'm a four. Okay, I was going to guess that, so... Yeah. Yeah, that makes I sense. I feel too much, too deeply all the time. <laughs> it's wonderful. That's a wonderful number to be. I love it. Yeah. Well, all that's right. why you need to be friends with like a seven. Yeah. <laughs> my husband's a seven. Oh, oh nice. There it so, is. Yes, my yeah. husband's a seven too. Yep. So yeah, you know that it's um <laughs> it's wonderful and so terrifying all at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> that is so true. Probably more terrifying. <laughs> <laughs> Awesome. Yeah. All right. Well, we we couldn't find you, but where can people find you if they want to follow if they you, want to find read your you. book, all that stuff? Where could they? Oh, that's a, that's a great question. Well, I'm I'm on Facebook, um, just with my name, and don't forget there's an E on the end, so it's yeah. Kelly we'll, we'll K E L Y E. Yeah, great. And I do have a blog, and if anybody wants to help me make it better, that would be awesome because it's not great. <laughs> I mean, it's great content wise, but design wise, anyway, that's just KellyFabian.com. Okay. Yeah. And books everywhere. Amazon. Books are everywhere. Okay. Amazon, Barnes and Noble, Nav Press. Awesome. Very cool. Very cool. Well, thank you again for sharing your journey. We are going to be watching and going to be asking some questions now. (laughs) Thanks for being here. Just make sure they're sacred questions. That's Mm. right. (laughs) And with that, we say goodbye. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks, Kelly. Thanks, guys. Man, I love Kelly. I love her heart, and I love this concept of sacred questions. Yeah, guys, we hope that you enjoyed this episode as much as we did. I love the quote that Kelly shared from Eugene Peterson, of course. I think we just just start quoting Mm. Eugene every episode. This is now called the Eugene Peterson (laughs) Podcast Fan Show. Listen, (laughs) he's pretty awesome. But I love what Eugene says. God's word has not done its complete work until it evokes an answer from us. Mm -hmm. So this week, it's our hope and prayer that as you go about your week, you will allow yourself the space for those sacred questions to come to the surface and that you will offer them up to him in his presence and watch how he brings truth and answers to them. As always, thank you so much for being here. We would love to hear from you. You can leave us a review on iTunes or wherever you're listening to your podcast. Find us on social media. And you can head over to our website at letsliveitwell.com and find great resources and tools to help you grow in your walk with Christ. Well, that's a wrap for this episode, guys. Thank you again for being with us. And we're going to close the show out like we always do. Remember, you only get one life. Live Live it well. well.